Welcome to all our visitors this morning. It's lovely to have everyone. And just before we start, can I remind you that this afternoon is the National Police Remembrance Service at the Uniting Church in Govetsleet Road at four o'clock. It's a wonderful opportunity to show our support for the police. They really battle against a lot of difficulty and a lot of criticism and opposition. And I think it's lovely for the churches to show them that we support them. Um, I apologise that I gave Donna McCarthy the wrong title. She is Detective Superintendent Donna McCarthy. She will be the main speaker, um, but I am doing the little devotional, so if you want to come along and give me some support, I'd be grateful. So this morning we start a new series. We finished our one on looking at church membership and all its different aspects, and instead we're now starting a series from the book of Colossians. So I thought before we look at this first chapter and what Paul has to say to the Colossians and to us, we should talk for a moment or two about how this book came to be written. There's some interesting circumstances. In the first place, Colossae was one of three that had been quite big cities in Asia Minor. Oh, I'd better show you on the map. Uh, there it is in the middle there. In what was Asia Minor and is now Turkey. It had been a big important city and it had fallen a little bit behind because some of the other local cities had become a bit more important. But it was on a trade route between east and west. Now, if you've watched any of the programs that have been on television about the ancient Silk Road, you'll know that it wasn't just goods that were exchanged along those ancient trade routes. Ideas went as well. Philosophies, religions, culture, learning, education, recipes, all sorts of things went along those old trade routes. And in Colossae, there was a great meeting between East and West. Their ideas met. And so Colossae was a place where there was a lot of interest in new philosophies, new religions, new ideas, a lot of discussion. And the other interesting thing about it was that there was a big Jewish colony there as well. So when that church at Colossae was founded, and it wasn't by Paul, Paul had never been there. Although he wrote this letter, he'd never been to Colossae. It was actually, the church was established by one of his disciples named Epaphras with the help of Philemon. And if you know the name of Philemon, yes, you should, because Paul wrote a letter to Philemon about his runaway slave. And so these two men, along with others, led the church at Colossae. Now, last week, Matt talked to us about the difficulties in the early church with the Jews, because Jewish people knew their Old Testament off by heart. They knew everything that there was about the law. They observed it faithfully. They knew about God. They knew about their history. And along came these Gentiles to become Christians who knew absolutely nothing, who didn't even know the name of God, let alone anything about him. And so Matt described to us last week the difficulty for these Jewish believers. Did the Gentiles have to become Jews before they could become Christians? Really a major problem. But then along with that, you've got people in the church who said, yes, this is wonderful, we've got salvation through Jesus Christ, yes, that's all good, but what about some of these other ideas and philosophies that are, are, are floating around? Let's have a look at some of them too. 
And so into the mix of Christian belief of people trying to learn about Christ and about our faith in God came some of these other ideas and people were carried away by them. And remember that they didn't all have Old Testaments, although the Old Testament was in existence. It was too expensive for people to have copies of it and the New Testament wasn't even written. So how difficult must it have been for people to have actually got hold of the truth? And there was one particular group of people in the early church, not just in Colossae, but in other churches as well, who caused a lot of problems. They were called the Gnostics. And it comes from a a word to know, because they were the ones with the superior knowledge. And they were teaching people, yeah, all right, it's all very well to know about God and about Jesus and the Holy Spirit, but follow us, we've got extra information. And Epaphras was so concerned about his church at Colossae that he made the trip all the way from Colossae to Rome. Now, that's a long distance. That's a long sea trip. He didn't just send a letter to Paul in Rome. He actually made that long sea journey to go and visit Paul in Rome and tell Paul of the problems that they were having and ask for his advice. How did the church at Colossae work through the divisions, the difficulties, the problems? What were they going to do? Now, I'm really sorry for Epaphras and the church at Colossae, but out of that problem came this wonderful book, came this beautiful letter that Paul wrote to the people that obviously blessed them at the time but has gone on blessing Christians for the last 2,000 years and I'm sure will bless us as we look at it. Now, we're going to look at the first 14 verses, but not every one of those verses. We'll skip over a bit in the middle. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints in Christ at Colossae, who are faithful brothers, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. And then he speaks about the hope and the faith and the love that they have. And now we'll look at his prayer. We continually ask God that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience, with joy giving thanks to the Father, who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, in him." It's all a bit breathless. It's one of Paul's great efforts of cramming so much into so few words. But actually, as you look at this passage, if you understand what's behind it and some of the language that he's using, it is absolutely stunning. You'll notice that he does not take the Colossians to task for their false beliefs and practices. Now, if you remember in the book of Galatians, he got stuck into them. He called them foolish. Oh, foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? 
not because they were Jews and he thought they should have known better, but to the Colossians, he's much more gracious. And he starts off, first of all, commending them for their faith, for their love, for their hope, for all the good things that they're doing. They're listening to the gospel and they're spreading it. And so he commends them, first of all. Now, when we read these words, I'm going to put it, this next one. When we read these words, that you may know the will of God and be, be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that all sounds very nice, doesn't it? But actually, if you were one of those Gnostics in the first century, let me tell you, this is a body blow. Doesn't come out in English, but there's coded language in here. He talks about that the Colossians, and us too, might be filled with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. But hang on a minute. The Gnostics said, we're the ones who've got all the wisdom. We're the ones who've got all the understanding. And here he's saying to them, find your wisdom and your spiritual understanding in God and in God alone. Not by what other men uh, might, um, might want to tell you is important, is the truth. Go to God. Now, of course, in our day we can go to the scriptures to find out particularly what God is thinking about, but in, it doesn't matter. We can go directly to God and we can find his will. Know God, know his will. Find in him our total focus. Not what any particular person or group of people want us to do, believe or say. Focus on God. What is it that he wants us to do? What is his will? Come back to that in a moment. Because the word know, he starts straight off know the will of God. Now, the word for know in Greek is that word that, that gives us Gnostics and Gnosticism. Gnosis is the word for know. That is not the word that Paul uses here. Paul uses the word epinosis and that means to know the person intimately. It is the same word that's used of a couple in their relationship in marriage. It's not just knowing about God. It is knowing God and his will personally. Now, many years ago, I became interested in Gladys Aylwood, the small woman who was a parlour maid, such an ordinary, ordinary person who was rejected by the CIM, who said she'd never be a missionary's bootlace, and yet who went to China and did the most extraordinary things for God. And I, I have read, I've, about 40 years ago, I read every word that was written that I could lay hands on about her. I was so interested and I turned that into a message which I spoke about several times because it's such an encouragement to first of all see what God did in China but secondly what God can do with a very ordinary person who is totally dedicated to him. And so about 20 years ago, one night, I, I did that message here. I spoke about Gladys Aylwood. 
And when our, the service was over, we had a visitor, a gentleman, and he came and he said to me, and as soon as he opened his mouth, I knew he was English, and he said, when Gladys Arlwood came back to England and she worked for a while in England before she went off to Taiwan and he mentioned the place that she'd gone back to, he said, that's where I lived and I knew Gladys Arlwood. He worked with her. He helped her to get from place to place and he was like a, 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 a handmade person to her who helped her. Now, in all honesty... As I stood before him, I probably knew more about Gladys Arlwood than he did. As I say, I'd read every word that I could lay hands on. I probably knew more about the story of her life and what she had done. But that paled into insignificance by the fact that he personally knew her. He knew what she was like. He knew her characteristics. And that's what Paul is talking about in his prayer for the Colossians and for us as well, that we will know God, certainly know about him, but we'll not only know God, but he says that we will know the will of God. Now, there's a challenge. Know the will of God not what you think is the will of God. Because people have been very sincerely convinced that they've known God's will and we look back and say, no, you didn't. For example, in the Middle Ages, think about all the British and Europeans who went off to fight in the Crusades. Utterly convinced that was God's will, that they should kill as many Muslims as they could lay hands on and seize back the Holy Land. That's what God wanted them to do. They were perfectly convinced it was the will of God. Or if you move on to South Africa, to the Afrikaners in South Africa, the white people, they were convinced it was the will of God that they should institute apartheid. They even quoted scripture that they should oppress the black communities in South Africa, convinced it was the will of God. Or if you move to Australia in the 19th and 20th centuries, we had missionaries convinced it was the will of God that all Aboriginal language and culture should be wiped out and that they should have Christianity the way we white people do, that they should live and act as white people and forget all about their black inheritance. The church has not done a very good job over the years of actually discerning what is the will of God. And I believe in our current situation that this is a challenge for each one of us. We may think we know what is the will of God concerning church membership, but I believe as a church we need to come together and wait on God, not just hurl verses of scripture, not just hurl traditions, not just hurl new ideas, not just hurl what we think somebody else has done and it sounds good, but really let us wait and discern the will of God because that's what he wants us to do. And he's offered that we may know him personally and know his will. 
So that's the first part of Paul's prayer, that they might know the will of God. The second part is that they might walk worthy of God, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. It doesn't matter how much you know. It doesn't matter even how well you think you know God. It has to be lived out in our daily life and this is what Paul is saying particularly either to the Gnostics or to the Jews. You can know all about the Torah. You might think you've got all this extra wisdom and understanding but when it comes to the crunch it's about how you live your daily life. I sometimes think we stand here and I love the songs that we sing. One of the ones we sang this morning, I've been singing all week. That's like an earworm. I haven't been able to get it out of my head all week. I just keep singing and I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I just over and over in my mind all week. Love our songs. But you know, we stand and we sing, in all I do, I honour you. Jesus, you are my king and we stand there with our arms raised and this look on our face, this is our complete dedication. Half past ten on a Sunday morning. What about nine o'clock on a Monday morning? In all I do, I honour you. Jesus, you are my king. What about three o'clock on a Friday afternoon? In all I do, I honour you. What about 11 o'clock on Saturday night? In all I do, I honour you, Jesus, you are my King. The walk worthy, it's not just coming on Sunday morning and singing lovely songs. It is about how we spend our, the seven days of our week, how we live our life from moment to moment. We must be living out what we know about God And then thirdly, it's about work fruitfully. Bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. (laughs) And we start, we end where we started with growing in the knowledge of God. Now I didn't write this down so let me see if I can remember it. We cannot work for God successfully unless we walk with him to please him and we cannot walk with him to please him unless we know him and his will. We cannot work for him without walking with him and we cannot walk with him without knowing him and his will. The three are connected But how we live our life, what we do, must include service. Now that's not just service within the church, although that is important. That's how we serve God in our daily life, how we connect with other people, how we spread the gospel by the way that we live. But let me come back. We need service in the church There's this consumer mentality in the church today that says, all right, I'll come and get whatever it is the church has to offer. 
you know, you look for the best coffee in town and you go and you get your cup of coffee and off you go. So we look for the best church in town and we come and enjoy the worship and off we go. Well, the fact is the church needs cleaning, the garden needs doing, the worship needs leading, the children's church needs people dedicated to that, our youth work needs youth leaders dedicated to that, our home group needs group needs home group leaders, we need people who are prepared to sacrifice their finances, people who are prepared to pray. We need to be giving fruitful service for God if we are going to be a part of a church. It's part of our relationship with each other. It's part of our responsibility. And then lastly, Paul prays for them to be able to withstand difficulties. Strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience or perseverance. Many years ago, my late husband Eric and I were in a group of some sort. I can't remember whether it was a home group or whatever it was. But the group was talking about what was going on for them spiritually at the time, how they were, you know, what was happening and how they were feeling. And when it got to Eric's uh, turn, he said, well, everything's going very well at the moment as far as work and the family and the church and everything is going really well. So I'm wondering when things are going to go wrong. Because as sure as eggs are eggs, if we are serving God faithfully, if we are bearing fruit, if we are walking with him, if we know and are doing his will, Satan is going to attack us and things are going to go wrong. And God allows that to happen in our lives because it's in finding our patience and our perseverance that we grow spiritually. This is what grows our faith. When the sun's shining and all's right with the world, there's no particular reason to depend on our faith. It's when everything starts to go wrong. This is what tries and grows our faith. Somebody once said faith is like a muscle and it has to be exercised, it has to be developed. Perseverance, although I've I've taken this from the Holman Standard Christian Bible, I've also put in the, the, the translation of perseverance because perseverance is such an important quality in our Christian life and it's a quality that's so often missing in our community. People don't want to persevere. If it's too hard, well, forget it and I'll do something different. But in our Christian walk with God, we are called on to persevere, to keep going. And interestingly, those words that Paul wrote to the Colossians, if we go back to the original circumstances, those words were prophetic because just a little while, a few years after this was written, Colossae was devastated by an earthquake, completely destroyed by an earthquake. Now we know about the destruction that earthquake brings. We see the pictures of it on our televisions all the time. Well, the church was to go through an earthquake, probably lose their homes, lose people's lives and they never properly rebuilt afterwards. So there was a great time of difficulty coming, never mind the persecution from the Roman Empire. So Paul was warning them in a sense beforehand 
They would need to be ready to face whatever was coming. But God never calls us to face that alone. Strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available for you and me to help get us through these difficult times. And you remember the 23rd Psalm that talks about though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's not though I am stuck in the valley of the shadow of death forever and ever, amen. It's I go through it. And we need to depend on the power and the strength of God to get us through as we to persevere and bring us through these difficulties. Because as Eric said, difficulties will come. You could be sure of that. Now I want to finish with a challenge. And whether you're actually from this church or from another church doesn't matter. I would like to challenge you as I challenge myself to pray this prayer for your church every day. Pray it for a month and see what happens. Because, as I've said before, what do we pray about? Well, we pray about everybody's health first up and then we pray about their financial circumstances. Then we pray about their relationships. We pray about all these other things. Fine, go on praying about them, don't stop. But that's not what Paul was praying about. And I think that if we in our church and you in your churches would undertake to pray this prayer for the people in your church every day for a month, let's see what God would do. So let me pray. So Heavenly Father, I ask you, that whether it's people from our church or from other churches, I ask you that you will fill us with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. May we walk worthy of you, fully pleasing to you, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of you. May we be strengthened with all power according to your glorious might for all endurance and patience and perseverance and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.